Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 66. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. Today, I am super excited to welcome what is probably going to be my favorite guest of all time because he's one of my favorite people of all time. My dad is coming on to the podcast today to talk about something that is very closely related to the ideas of goals and resolutions, but on a grander scale related to just life in general and living that. And it's something that he has a lot of experience with over the course of his life as he has gone through a variety of careers and changed directions multiple times. And it's something that he has always encouraged me to be open with. And that's the idea of change and transition and transformation. And all of those ideas are really closely related together. And so I'm super excited to dive into that with him today and to welcome you along to our discussion. And I hope that you will internalize some of the wisdom that he has to share from his decades of experience with life and change and that we can carry that with us as we go forward to whatever changes we may be experiencing as we enter a new year. And then of course, throughout the rest of our lives. So without further ado, I am super excited to welcome my dad to the podcast. So dad, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. I'm delighted to finally make it. Well, like all our other guests to get started, why don't you share a little bit about you and everything that led you to where you are today? Well, that would take quite a few podcasts, I think, to go through <laughs> all that. But there have been some benchmark events in my life that really have directed me, I guess. When I was 12 years old, I had a deep spiritual experience, and I had an experience where my mom got very sick, and that those things were, I guess, foundational. I had uh, early on to decide the direction of my life, which I came to realize that deciding what you're going to do in life is a process that I'm probably going to have to do this over and over and over and over and over and over in my life. And, and so I think I got to where I was comfortable making those kinds of decisions. And um, and then the usual things about going to school and where you go to school and who you marry and where you live and work. I think I've had 20 to 25 different real jobs in my life. And so I guess the last... <clears throat> quarter of my life, I've been very stable before that. I don't know if I was restless or I got bored, but there's a lot of things I did to try to change my circumstances, even though the circumstances I may have been in at the time were certainly adequate or sufficient or even good. And lots of times when you start over, most of the time when you start over, you have to get back to the bottom rung and you know, work your way back <laughs> up again. And, and so I've done that many times, but I think I've been very fortunate. I've had a, a very good life and God has been good to me. And I have a Good friends, loving family. Can't ask for much more. Yeah. Life is good. God is good. So despite all the times starting at the bottom, you've gotten to exactly where you wanted to be. Well, either that or I got to a place where I was bored and either doing the same thing or thinking, do I want to continue doing this for mm. a long time? And then I started to look for maybe something else then. And it was a joke in my extended family. What's Richard doing now? Well, and even now, I think it's become part of the narrative of our family, just all of the <laughs> fun and exciting and different things that you did over the course of your life or I and made you guys do yeah that you made us do growing mm -hmm. up and i guess it allows us so many avenues of conversation because when we see hot air balloons we can say oh our dad used to pilot hot air balloons or when we drive past a mobile coffee stand we can say oh our dad started one of those or 
as my friends now are starting to have babies and they're discussing different options, I can say, well, my dad once started a diaper service. So maybe that's something you want to consider. And so it's become a touchstone, I think, too, of our modern family life. And I think people, not to separate the world into two categories, but I think people either tend to fall into the category of people who do those transitions and changes well, and they are always willing or at least on the lookout for those different opportunities that might be desirable or at least an option that they could consider. And then there's the people who, once they have something in front of them, they don't really want to look many other places and they're just going to take what that is in front of them and move forward. Is that something that you've seen in your experience? Yeah, I think I would certainly have to agree with that. I think there have been things I have been doing. For instance, we had done this Viking ship festival activity. And we did that for eight or 10 years. And then when we were ready to be done, I asked a couple of families I knew, would you be interested in taking this over and just give you this? And they weren't interested. And so that was curious to me that, and looking back, I can see they were probably (laughs) smart saying no, but it was just interesting to me that they gave it very little consideration. Hmm. When I guess I have always... Kind of looked at things, you know, what's the opportunity here? Boy, this is a lot of work, but maybe it's fun too. So I think I would agree. There are people who just look at what goes on in life differently. And mm-hmm. God made us all different. So that's okay. Yeah, it's totally okay. And I wonder if it maybe has to do with the baseline. Like maybe you, there are the people who accept the baseline the way it is and they evaluate everything in light of that. And then maybe there's the people who are constantly willing to examine what that baseline is. There's so many angles. It goes yeah. so deep. And when you were a child, were your parents <laughs> stable or were they moving around? Yeah. And was that, were you excited about that or were you discouraged about that? Or <clears throat> when you're in your mother's womb, did she move around? And <laughs> All of those things play a part and that makes life cool. That's why life is so diverse. I want to dive into a bit more conversation about that because regardless of which category you fall into, we all are going to face transitions at some point in our life, whether they're ones that we are choosing to lean into or ones that have come upon us. And so can you share a bit more about some of those different positions that you held over the course of your life and what led you to them and then what led you on to other things? And maybe it was just boredom some of the time, but I suspect that it wasn't boredom in every case. I guess one of the, the earliest and the biggest that I had to make was when I was a junior in high school deciding where I was going to go to school. And that was during the baby boom and all these boomer kids wanted to go to college. And so it wasn't easy to get into college. And so I was trying to decide where and what I wanted to do. And because of the, the spiritual encounter I had and the, my mom's health, and it all caused me to want to help people. I felt a call to become a minister. And so I, I felt like I wanted to pursue that and I needed to go to some kind of Bible college or something like that. And so as I was pursuing that, I somehow the military academy at West Point came into my view and I applied to that and lo and behold, I, I qualified and was offered a, a appointment to the military academy at West Point. And so I had to make that decision and it was a hard decision because I felt this calling to the ministry yet I had this opportunity. So I'll make a long story short. I went ahead and went into the military academy and I was there for a couple of years, but I still felt this calling on my life. So after I had been there a little over two years, I resigned. And so that was such a hard decision. And I hmm. had the understanding that gee, my whole life is going to be very different now because I'm making the decision. So that was part of it. Another part of it was I was an only child and my dad, he never finished high school and he was so proud of me that I had got this appointment and was at the military academy. And when I told him that I was going to resign, 
he took it like a man and he mm. said, son, it's your life. And I know you've probably thought about it. And he never went back and never said when things maybe were rocky or in my life after that, he never said, if you would have stayed there, <laughs> he really notched a whole lot of my respect for him and all. And as I became a dad myself, I really look back and, and appreciate that and think how hard that must have been for him to do that. But anyway, so that was part of it, a big step in making decisions and realizing that I have to do that and it's okay to do that. That's what life's about. And I think that's helped me be able to make changes in my life. Hmm. Change is usually good. It's stressful. It's not always good, but for the most part, it's good. And that's what life's about. Yeah. Well, and especially if the change is intentional, especially if it is something you've considered and you're taking Mm -hmm. action, there are going to be those difficulties and I guess the growing pains of change, but eventually you're going to come out the other side and the change is going to be normal. And if it's what you intentionally want, then that's a good thing. I remember in my late thirties, I was doing some commercial real estate stuff and driving around the country doing that and dabbling with the idea of going to law school at 39 years old. And I told this aunt of mine who I respect a whole lot that, gee, you know, I'm thinking, I think maybe I want to consider going to law school, but man, it takes three years to go to law school. And she said, three years is going to pass whether you go or not. So, you know, so I thought, I guess that's true. I could spend my time watching TV and doing other stuff, or I could spend my time studying for three years. And so that was a real push to something silly and flippant like that really mm-hmm. turned the light on. Well, and it's cool to see those different kinds of support that you've had all throughout your life and how much that has meant to you to get to where you are today. And I know that's certainly true in my life. All the different kinds of support I've had are certainly what has enabled me to do the things that I have done. And family, of course, first and foremost, but also friends and friendships. So do you have any advice or insight into if that's not something you have, how you can develop those things? Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I have never really felt alone. I feel like this spiritual encounter I had at the age of 12 really gave me a confidence in the presence of God in my life. I should tell a little bit of the story. So I, as I said, I'm an only child. I have a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles. My parents came from large families. But so it was early one Sunday morning and my dad woke me up and, to tell me that my mom was real sick and she was going to go to the hospital. And the ambulance came and took her away. And I was home alone at 12 years old. And it was, like I said, early a Sunday morning. And my first thought as I saw the ambulance pulling away from the house was, I don't have to go to church today because my mom would always take me to church on Sunday morning. And so I started to walk back to my room and I started crying. And I realized, gee, this is bad. They took my mom away in an ambulance and she could die. And then I stopped and I thought, gee, I am going to go to church because those people, they care about us and they're going to, they'll pray for my mom and that will help. And, and that was a real pivotal point in my perspective in life. And I had this realization that there's pain in the world and I can be part of the problem or I can be part of the answer. Mm-hmm. And it really redirected my whole life. And that was real meaningful. And it gave me this comfort. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. And I always had this sense of going through life that God cared for me. And even when I did some foolish things and uh, I was down on myself and I thought, oh man, you didn't get that. Or why did you do that? I always had a peace knowing that uh, Jesus loved me and God was on my side and it was all going to be okay. Yeah, I think certainly having that spiritual support there in our lives has been crucial and, and it, communities it, that come along with that. Exactly. I just, just yeah. say that. but puts you in a community of people who for the most part are caring people and they want to help you or pray with you and give you 
opportunities to work together and help other people. And there's a lot yeah. of gratification and satisfaction that comes with that. And that's certainly been a big motivation in my life that I learned taking care of my mom. It was, it was very gratifying to be able to help her through life. And I think that touches on another important point too, that the focus, even as we talk about our own lives and our own decisions and our own direction and our own changes and transitions and all of that, oftentimes so little of it is really directed towards ourselves like you were talking about, even when you were at West Point, you felt this calling to go in another direction. And ultimately that direction was going to lead you to a position where you could really tangibly help people. And as I reflect on a lot of other transitions and opportunities and jobs that you pursued throughout your life, and even just other opportunities like Viking ships, oftentimes the choice or the decision to pursue those things really had very little to do with you and much more to do with the people that you could help or the community that you could grow closer to or the lessons that you could teach or learn in that position. And I think that focus or perspective can be particularly beneficial because it does shift it so much from how exactly am I feeling in this moment or about this change or all of the effort I'm going to have to put into making this transition. And when it's focused on something else, anything else, or at least just not on us and our thoughts and our feelings, just I think in a position for a much smoother transition as you are moving into whatever that is that does align with your values and your orientation, I think, towards other people. Well, again, I think it's part of the process. And the best I've been able to do is be comfortable with the process of change or like in finally deciding maybe I should be retiring. I was an attorney for, I ended up going to law school at 40. And so I was an attorney for some 25 plus years. I'm 70 years old and I'm having a lot, I wouldn't say a lot of fun, but it's very gratifying doing, doing my legal work and helping people. And there's the idea, well, you know, I could do this till the day I die. And it's very gratifying, but maybe there's some other things I want to do. And so it was part of the process. And I know you as a life coach, you helped me consider certain perspectives. And that was very helpful because I practice in the area of elder law. So I helped a lot of people as they considered retirement, not only do their estate plans, but to figure out can they retire and should they, and as far as from the financial perspective and the emotional perspective. And so I helped hundreds and hundreds of people do that, work through that process. But when it came to myself, I, it was very difficult to be black and white. And so you were very helpful in helping me navigate that. But it, it, again, it was a decision you have to make, whether it's what's my first job going to be out of high school or what's my first activity yeah. going to be after I retired. It's again, it's that process. And uh, it was fun. It was, again, stressful. And the first week when after you retire and you don't get the paycheck, it's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's exciting. Like everything else in life right. has been very exciting. And I feel sorry for people who stress over those everyday things. And I know people like that. It's sad because life is exciting and God's in control. And so it's like being able to walk on the high wire with a big safety net underneath you. There's this thrill, but uh, to a lot of people... They can't do that. They're mm. too afraid of heights. And I'm somebody who's afraid of heights, so I don't know what I'm dying about <laughs> from that perspective. Well, I think that's a great mental picture that you just painted because you really can create a safety net for yourself, be it that support from other people or the spiritual communities you might be involved with or financially, any kind of support system. And that really can give you the security that you need to make those other choices in your life. But I think that you're totally right too, that it's a skill to learn how to do transitions and how to make change and how to navigate that and 
to identify what it is you want to go after, how to close up shop where you are now, how to smoothly make that transition into something new. So just like the person can't probably walk perfectly across the high wire the first time, it is a skill still that you can develop and work on. And if you've also worked on cultivating that safety net, then there really is nothing to fear there, or at least that fear will probably diminish as you grow in your skill and ability in that area. Right. It should be. So when my mom did pass away, it was my dad and I, we looked after each other and and I looked at my dad and I wish I was as accepting of him as he was of me, but I was thinking to myself, well, gee, dad, your life would be so much better if you would Mm. just do this because he had this routine he would do. And so I would go out of my way to try to, from my perspective, he went through life with this heavy backpack on his back and he was comfortable with the weight of the backpack. And and I would try to sneak behind him and grab one of the rocks out of his backpack and, and lighten his load in life. And, you know, while I'm doing that, I, when I turn around and look back after I put the rock down and I see him picking up another rock and putting it back in because he's comfortable with this weight going through mm-hmm. life. And and it's easy to look at people and say, gee, their life would be so much better if, but sure, people look at me and say, gee, yeah. life would be better if you do this. So maybe that's one thing I've appreciated about your help, which you were pretty frank. And there were many questions you asked me that just caused me to be realistic. And you know, in my practice, I always had a lot of deep respect for people as they age. You go through these stages of aging. And, uh, at some point, you need maybe just to move into a, a house that requires less work. You can't Mm -hmm. mow the two acres anymore or whatever. And I always had a lot of respect for the people who could make that decision and say, okay, we're going to downsize now. We're going to move into the assisted living. Because from my perspective was, you don't do that. At some point, you're going to fall off the lawnmower and you're going to end up in the nursing home. So if you can make those little steps in life and see what's coming down the pike and embrace it, like you're making the most of life. Right. Well, and you're taking the control back into your own hands. You're not turning a blind eye to those changes that are coming at you anyway and Mm -hmm. saying, I'm just going to ignore those. You're instead doing it of your own initiative and recognizing there is a need for change to occur here. And so I'm going to make it in my way and on my terms instead of just waiting for the inevitable, maybe, hopefully not, probably to happen. And then you've skipped all of the steps that you were in control over. And then the change is just being forced upon you from the outside. Right. And by definition, change means more work than I'm doing now. If I keep doing what I'm doing now, I have this little rut I'm in. But if I'm going to make a change, I got to start digging in a different direction. And so that's more work. And so it's easy not to do that. Yeah. Well, and I like the backpack analogy, too, because I think that's so true of all of us. Like we just have the tension that we're comfortable with in our life. And so maybe that comes back to how much change you're willing to accept or pursue or go after that you seek in your life. And I also like what you said earlier about how your work, when you were working in your law practice, you found that really gratifying, even if you wouldn't quite consider it fun, that it wouldn't quite tip into that category. And I think that's an interesting thing to consider too, that different seasons might have those different values or focuses or even terms that you would consider appropriate. And then maybe that is a reason to change or a reason not to change when you recognize this is my season of where I just want to focus on gratification and serving other people. And then you get to the point eventually where you recognize maybe I do want to have more fun in my life or I want to focus more on family. And so retirement is the next step for me or the next change that needs to occur because whether that's an external decision or internal decision or some kind of combination of both, recognizing that gratification is no longer the thing that I want to seek above these other things. But even in my retirement, I've been retired a year and I think I have sought out opportunities to help people. So that's maybe the drug of choice is the feeling I get when I've 
made somebody's life a little easier. And again, I would look back and I'd say, well, that stems from back when I made my mom breakfast before I went to mm -hmm. school. And so because I was helping her and, and which made me feel good. I would largely argue that our values in life don't change the ones that are most important to us, even if the hierarchy of them maybe shifts based on the situation or the phase of life that we're in. And so it's no surprise that even in retirement, you still want to be oriented towards helping and serving other people. And so it's been cool to see how you incorporate new ways of doing that into retirement that you may or may not have expected when mm -hmm. you did retire or started to move in that direction. And again, I would credit that to having the spiritual enlightenment at 12 mm -hmm. years old and being able to accept that and not be bitter about, oh, God, let my mom get sick and how can there even be a God? And, and somehow, like I said, Holy Spirit comforted me and directed me. I'm so grateful for that. And I see people who their you know, life would be so much better if they would make a change. But sincerely, they're just... They don't live at peace and that's mm -hmm. so available. And I think that's such a great example. I love how you keep pointing back because something that we say in our family, or at least you and I say to each other a lot, is the idea that nothing is ever wasted. And so I think that this conversation has really highlighted that even the smallest conversations that then spiraled out into bigger life changes or different avenues of service, they all have really built on each other to get you to where you are today. And even if you've held 27 different careers and not all of them were building on top of each other to necessarily get you where you were, they were still providing different avenues of skills and experience and meeting people and providing those different opportunities that then maybe led you to the next thing that did. So I think that is really important to acknowledge too when it comes to change that not all change is maybe good and not all change is maybe going to be completely linear, getting you from one thing to the next thing, which is going to lead you ultimately where you want to go, but that none of those things along the way are ever going to really be wasted. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. And as you were saying that, I was thinking I have a good friend. And as we came to know each other more, he would tell me more of his story. And he'd been a drug addict and selling drugs and got arrested in jail and prison. And, and now his life is good. And I asked him about those quote unquote, wasted years. And he said, oh, well, wasted years. And all those things helped me become who I am now. And I really like who I am now. And, uh, so I look back at my experience with my mom and with West Point and those other things that seemed just crisis things from one perspective, but yet they all come together to help me who I am. And mm -hmm. so I guess I, I'm talking to myself now. I just mentioned the people who are in a bad place. And, but, uh, Again, I guess I need to remember for them that, that God is working on their life and they're going through these experiences, it's not wasted, and it's all going to be used if they have the patience and the perspective to make them okay and to make life okay. Mm -hmm. So how do you know when it is time to make a change? What would you say are the hallmarks of recognizing change needs to be made? I think part of it is your personality. And I think I recognize some cycles in my life where so many years would pass, six or seven years would pass, and I'd be doing something, and I, I would start doing something else. And as I look back, I thought, gee, I must get bored after that amount of time. Mm -hmm. But I think if I was able to be content, force myself to be content, or just <laughs> keep going, because it's going to be okay, I get past maybe a season of dissatisfaction to a place where, um, oh, yeah, this is... I can accept where I am. And so I think contentment is a, a big thing and to learn to be content, but I guess recognize when change would be necessary or change would be invited mm. or helpful and then have the courage to 
step out with that. But yeah, that's what yeah. I would encourage people to get help. And again, I go back to how you help with all these questions in retirement. Get help from somebody you trust or people you trust or in prayer or meditation or whatever to, to recognize if a change is good and have the courage to make that change, the challenge to go forward. That way. And I think you highlighted the juxtaposition between learning to be content, which I totally believe is a skill. Um, unfortunately, it's a skill that I feel like I'm pretty good at while still holding the space for recognizing where change is needed or desired or just opportunities for changing. And that is another interesting tightrope to walk as you're like, I am happy with the way life is, but I also see what it could be or what I want it to be or what I can make it. Because (laughs) we talk about a lot in coaching too. If you don't enjoy the journey, you're not going to enjoy the destination and lots of stuff that like that we just throw a lot more coachy language into. But it's true, if you can't learn to be content here, it's not super likely that you're going to learn how to be content when you suddenly have everything that you've ever wanted, because then you're just going to be wanting the next thing. So it is truly valuable to master that skill wherever you're at in life, while still holding and allowing yourself to recognize the opportunities for growth or for change that still are occurring. And then recognizing that if you choose to go after those, you're going to bring that contentment along with you, even through those periods of change. And then as you settle into whatever the new normal is going to be. Yeah. So I think that is an important acknowledgement to make in this discussion. Yeah. I think a key phrase you said there was you bring the contentment along with you. Mm. I think that's very true. That, that You don't make those changes necessarily because you're discontent. You make the change because that's part of the adventure. That's the next mm. step in the adventure of life. And if you have, it's even more special if you have special people you take with you and right. you always have your relationship with God that you take with you. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, part of what the impetus is in moving forward is you have a sense that you, these doors have opened before me, these opportunities, and I need to test the waters and see if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then that, as you take those steps before you, the Bible says, God's word is a light unto my path. So as you step forward, you begin to see, oh, yeah, I can go this way and then you move forward. Yeah. And then you're still faced though with making the choices or accepting and acknowledging and agreeing to the changes. And I know unsurprisingly bringing Gretchen Rubin into the conversation, one of the metrics that she really tries to base her life off of is the idea of choosing the bigger life. So her family was really going back and forth over whether or not to get a dog. And she finally came back to that idea of choosing the bigger life. And of course, the bigger life is the life in which you have a dog and you just add that onto your life. Mm -hmm. And so the bigger life idea, quote unquote, isn't one that really resonates with me, but I can see how that would be a powerful metric or consideration that you could bring as the determining factor for you. If that was something that resonated with you to decide I have these opportunities or these doors have opened, what is the bigger life for me? And so I haven't really identified what it is for me that drives me into change or helps me to decide what changes to make. But do you have any things that you've recognized in your own life that have driven you to make those changes? Or on a grander scale, how do you determine then which doors to walk through and which changes to pursue? The bigger life idea, I guess I it's the wording. I'm a little uncomfortable with the word because as you get older, you don't want the bigger life. <laughs> yeah. You're downsizing, right? Yeah. So a different life. The, choose the right size life <laughs> or a fuller life, maybe a fuller mm. life. And no, because I guess I'm struggling with the wording on mm. just how to characterize that, but certainly a life that a fulfilling life, maybe, or, mm. or your own life, just own your life. And that's not, and you have to be patient. I think sometimes we jump because we're anxious as to, are we 
really intense. We wait for the discontent. And again, I come back to the content. You know, mm. if you can recognize that, gee, I can be content where I am, but it would be maybe a good thing to test this out and look and go this direction and try this out and then be willing to make the change, even though you don't necessarily have to. Or uh, that was that's another thing I talked to folks about is you can decide to downsize or go to assisted living or whatever. Now, then you're not being forced to make a decision in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Not that God doesn't use the crises as well, but it's a lot less stressful if you're intentional in your life and willing to take the extra energy to get past the, the rut of where you're in, if it makes sense to be expanding your life or changing your life. And I think another thing about contentment is that it gives you the capacity for change because you're not then fighting or bucking against the reality of your life. You're not wasting the energy that it takes to do that to fight against the life that you have created. You're accepting that for what it is. And then you can use whatever energy that you might be using to spiral in. (laughs) I don't want things to be the way that they are. And you can instead fuel that into cultivating change or pursuing change, or at least identifying what changes you do want to make even while being content where you are. Right. I think that's a real interesting perspective because maybe maybe you're going to use this energy one way or the other. You're going to use it stressing about where you're at or you use it to direct direct your life. Right. And that kind of, to me, comes back to the backpack idea of you're going to be carrying a certain amount of weight either way. And it also comes back to, I know we've talked about on the podcast, emotions and the idea of 50-50, which I don't love, but for the sake of argument, if you're going to have 50% of the emotions in your life be negative, you don't want to waste that negative half on just stuff like sadness or moroseness, you want to intentionally use that to go after things that maybe are uncomfortable. So they're on that negative side, but that are going to get you closer to change or to the life that you want through commitment or failure or embarrassment or putting yourself out there. Like those kinds of negative emotions also fall on the negative half of the 50, but on the whole, they're going to move you so much closer to the life that you want. So I think that it's true. We are going to probably feel aggregately the same amount of negative emotions in our life or face the same amount of self-imposed stress in our lives, regardless of what changes we go after or not. And we're probably going to expend a similar amount of energy. So we may as well be using it to make the changes that we want to while also being content where we are. As you were saying that, I think that that's, it makes a lot of sense in the area that we get to control in our life, right. which is most of it. But like with my mom, I never would have wanted her to get sick. Right. She got sick and then we, <clears throat> that just made me a whole new man. And so <clears throat> with the things we can control, that makes a lot of sense. And yet we still need to have the confidence in the journey that mm-hmm. the things we can't control, even if they seem very bad, that they're going to build, help build who I am or who I will become. Well, and even in that, you, of course, wanted to feel sad about her being sick and the changes in your life that brought, but you didn't stay in that. You also leaned into those uncomfortable emotions of figuring out what it was like to then live life with her illness and the changes that you all needed to make to give her the best life possible and so that you could also still live your life and spend time with her and get her out of the house. So you still leaned into other aspects of probably not all positive emotions to make that happen. And you felt sadness, but you didn't stay in that unnecessarily. You also use that to drive change in those areas, even when on the grandest scheme, it was a big change that you didn't have any control over. I have a relative where the same thing happened to her dad. And so he got sick. And so her response was just 
the other direction. You know, she was very angry and very upset and that this was happening to him and that it was happening to her life and just went on very badly. I don't know. As you talked about at the beginning, accepting change is a skill and going through change, whether self-imposed or not, is a skill. Unfortunately, if you get good at one, you're also getting better at the other. And it's another thing that's not super linear. So even as you get good at change, that doesn't mean there's not going to be some change from inside or outside that totally throws a wrench in your plans and that throws you off. But it still comes back to the idea of nothing's wasted, whether it's in our control or not. And we still can control the things that we can control regardless of those circumstances that are happening outside of our control. So we can still move forward in whatever way is then best based off of the change that has happened. And a lot of the same principles, I think, are the ones that we're going to want to use to guide us, even if it takes us a while to get back to that place. Yeah, I can tell you. Well, I think of people I know whose whose ability to cope is limited, or their maybe because their experience is limited or because their pers- perspective is limited. They're not making the most out of the situation. And again, nothing, nothing's wasted. They may endure something that's tragic and not grow from that. And then now have all this resentment to deal with where someone else might deal with it and grow from it. And you know, it's easy to say life's not fair, but I don't think it has anything to do with fairness. And that's really when you want to come back to the support system because different mm. people need different support systems. Some people need mental health professionals in their support system. Other people maybe don't, although we probably all could use it. And so I think in those moments, because you're not going to just accept even changes that you choose to pursue, it's not a snap your fingers and you're done and everything is great from there on out kind of thing. And that's why you have the safety net and the support system to begin with so that when you do fall, if you fall, which is going to happen to all of us all the time, they can be there to catch you and support you as you mm-hmm. climb back up to the high, to the tightrope and keep moving on with your life. But it's okay to stay in the net for a while or as long as you need to, because that's part of life and part of the change too, particularly when it happens outside of our control, I think. Yeah, I think that, again, the support system is a key and the friends you have in the family that you have that support you in your faith. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move into the resolution round. So maybe see how this orientation towards change is in action in your life. But do you set goals or resolutions? And if so, what is that process like for you? I haven't, until I came under your influence, been very (laughs) magic in doing that formally. Mm -hmm. I have, as I allowed ideas to hatch and thoughts. I have set goals and I did the New Year's goals, which were the traditional lose weight and exercise. And and those I've done those over the years, but I have been a person who identified the things I wanted to get done and then the steps to get them done. So I have been a goal setter. Yes. What is the biggest school or resolution that you've set and completed? I would say it's probably law school, Mm -hmm. law school at 39 and hanging in there and getting it done. Yeah. So what goal or goals are you working on now? Ooh, that's really a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we're at the transition point. It's just a new year, but. Right. So I am been thinking about a lot about the New Year's resolutions. I'm going to have my 23 resolutions for 2023, mm. but, and that's fine. I'm not sure I have any big life changing ones. I want to this next year combine having purpose, renewed purpose and meaning for the things I do and fun and it uh, reminded me of a, a sign i saw where a bumper sticker said put the fun back in funeral 
<laughs> the idea of combining purpose and meaning and uh, working toward that and yet having fun, it's the yin and the yang. But I'm excited about that happening because like I said, when I worked, I got a lot of gratification out of working and helping people. And that was fun for me. So I think that's a good combination. Yeah. Good goal yeah. for 2023. Yeah, that's awesome. And as a regular listener of the podcast, you know, every week on the podcast, we encourage listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage listeners resolve to do? I did think about that question. You let me know that one was coming or I've heard it over the (laughs) podcast. So I would encourage listeners to recognize the, the good and the peace they have in their life. In other words, be content with what they have, but be excited about the possibility of change. Hmm. I love that. And that sums up our conversation so well. Perfect. Okay. We're going to dive into confetti questions. And I would like to think that I know the answers Mm -hmm. to these, but we'll see. What time do you get up now that you're retired? My eyes usually open at seven in the morning. Okay. When do you do your best work? I do my best work whenever I have the opportunity to work. I love to work and do stuff and I can do it at any time and I welcome it. So. Yeah, that sounds about right. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? I read a book when I was a teenager by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And I gleaned from, one thing I gleaned from that book was do it now. Mm. And that has served me well over the years whenever I have not followed that. I found myself in a fire drill for getting stuff done. But if I can discipline myself and to see that I have this project needs to get done or activity, do it now, especially now as I get older, you know, if I don't do it now, I forget what it was. <laughs> so, so that's good advice. Do it now. If you got something to do, just do it. That is definitely something that I try to live by too. What do you do to rest? Rest in, in the conventional term of rest where you lay down and take it easy. I don't do that. So I, I do find myself sitting in front of the TV in the evenings more so than I would like. It's a couple hours and I sometimes feel guilty about that waste. It's wasted time. So that's rest in one sense. When I do get up in the mornings and some mornings are earlier than seven and I can just be alone and meditate, be alone with the Lord and the scripture. I, that's a very restful time mm-hmm. for me when I'm just hanging out with friends and family. Yeah. Life is a rest. Right? <laughs> you don't need rest. <laughs> Nothing is work. I just I enjoy everything I do. Most everything I do. If I get tired doing it, it's just because I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Favorite beverage? I like coffee and I like a good glass of water. <laughs> and uh, Nice and basic. Yeah. <laughs> glass of wine in the evening, I guess, once in a while. I, not often, but. And favorite TV show? I've watched a lot of NCIS and the Jack Reacher series. Yes. Yeah. And we're excited for more of that to come. Book that has had the greatest impact on your life? Well, I'd have to say certainly the scripture. And fortunately, I have come back to it over and over again. And it's been Mm -hmm. real helpful and encouraging in my life. The Bible. What book are you currently reading? (laughs) I'm currently reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I read it last when I was in college and it's really cool because I'm listening to it. That's an audiobook, And it's like, I'm having this conversation with C.S. Lewis and he's so practical and so thoughtful. And it's really a great read. And what is a win that you are currently celebrating that we can toast with you? Oh, it's the Christmas season. So it seems like I'm celebrating at every turn life and my family. I'm currently celebrating that two of my daughters have finished a big part of school. Yeah. <laughs> a master's degree and a certification for cosmetology. That's a big 
celebration for me. Yeah. yeah, of course, neither of us could have done it without your support and encouragement and examples. So you and mom, we certainly welcome you into the toast with us and we toast you too as we celebrate. Yeah. And then where I know that you have written a book. So if people want to hear more from you, tell us about the book and where they can get it to oh, sure. learn more about you. I wrote this book called Accidental Safari. My career was as an elder law attorney, and I began to see many of my clients came to me because they were in crisis, because their life had taken this turn, and they were on this journey that they never would have bought a ticket for or chose to go on, but life took a turn. And I found myself giving this advice to folks about how to navigate this accidental safari they were on, and I gave seminars and just wanted to uh, the word to get out. And I thought I just need to put it in a book, this advice. And it's great advice for folks to, or for your parents or anyone who wants to be prepared for some accidental safari that might come in their life. And it's a little bit of my story with my mom and my family and a story of a lot of my different clients and in there and ways to prepare for things and to watch out for things. It was fun to write. It took a while with all my kids at home, but to get it done, but I think it could be very helpful. Accidental Safari, you can certainly get it on Amazon. You can go to accidentalsafari.com. I have a mini course there on things you can prepare for and think about. And you want to get to your life plan in place and certainly can order the book there as well. So yeah. Accidental Safari. Thanks a lot. Yeah. It's the first book that I have ever been mentioned in. So I always thought that was very exciting. So I'll link to that and to everything else that we talked about in the show notes. But thank you, Dad, for coming on and for talking about this with me. This has been an interview I knew I wanted to do for a long time. So I'm glad that as the end of the year approaches, I was able to have you on and allow you to share all of your wisdom with all of us. It was my delight. I love you. Thank you very much. Love you too. And that's a wrap on my interview with my dad. I am so glad that he could take some time out of his retirement and the fun but fulfilling ways that he gets to spend his time now. And I am so grateful that I have had his wisdom and my mom's wisdom to guide me for my entire life. It is definitely what has gotten me to this point and I know will only continue to guide and nurture me going forward. And I particularly wanted to have him come on to talk about the idea of change and everything related to that, because I'm going to be going through quite a few changes of my own in, in my own life, I think in the next couple of years. And those changes are necessitating a great deal of focus and attention and energy being pulled in other directions. And so I have known that this is coming for a while, but I wanted to wait until now to share it publicly on this platform. I am going to be ending the Resolve podcast at the end of this year for a variety of reasons, but all coming back to the idea of change and transition and transformation and everything that we talked about today. So it is a change that I'm going to be sad to make. I am sad to be losing this community. I'm sad that I'm no longer going to be sharing ideas in this way, but I know that putting an end to the Resolve podcast, at least for now, is going to be necessary as I move forward into the things that are coming for me next. And so it's a change that I am content with, <laughs> even if I am leaning into some of those more negative emotions like sadness to be putting an end to it. And I am so excited for what is coming next. And I'm so grateful to have been able to have this platform and to be able to interview all of our amazing guests and share so many ideas and principles and concepts that I have grown to love and that have really nurtured my growth over the years. I truly believe that someone could use all of the information I've been able to convey on the Resolve podcast and of course all of the wisdom that our guests have shared in their many episodes 
to help them reach their goals and keep their resolutions. And I very intentionally had guests on to cover what I feel is almost the full spectrum of goals and resolutions set by most people. So that regardless of what you want to focus on or what you are focusing on, you can take a lot of the general wisdom, but then also get some very specific and tangible advice for what you are most likely going to be working on. So I am once again, so grateful for this platform. This is not the last you're going to hear from me. We still have a bit of time left in this year, but I did want to take this time as we wrap up this discussion of change and transition to share this little bit of news. And I'll be talking a bit more about that probably in the next couple of episodes. So I am so grateful for you for tuning in. And of course, for my dad coming to talk about this with me. And I am also grateful for the change that is going to be coming in my life. And I'm sure in all of ours, in all that lies ahead. So with that, thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tizano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytizano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.